Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. Bill Arnold here with a couple of friends in studio. I'm looking forward to this hour. If you have a red letter edition Bible, the red words are the ones spoken by Jesus. And we're in a series that will go on for a while because we love the teaching of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about that on Wednesdays at 5 central time. And the two friends in studio have got a lot of years of ministry behind them. Rick Madsen, John Afonso, welcome to the show. Thank you, Val. Good great to, be here. to see yeah, you. Good to see you. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. So we're digging into a passage in Luke today. Luke chapter 7. Do I have that right? Mm, yep. Yep. And a portion of that, uh, verses 36 through 50. Rick, I'm going to ask you to start things off. Would you open us in prayer and then read it? Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word that... Uh, penetrates uh, our lives and uh, discerns the motives and instructs us in the way of the Lord. And would you help us to hear it clearly today, ears to hear, eyes to see your truth, and Lord God, the heart to obey what we encounter here in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, read by Rick Matson <laughs> using his professional radio voice. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> In the NIV. All right. New International Version. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping... She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in 
piece. Oh, nicely done, Rick Madsen. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Emulating Bill Arnold. Oh, no, I don't know about that. But I, I love that she's not stopped crying since she started. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask Jana to tell us a bit about this woman, her background. She seems to be uh, a category, but then she becomes more than a category. She becomes a person in this. Right. In this narrative here, and what do you think about that, my friend? Yeah, there's um, there's so much that's packed into that first paragraph. It's just sort of stunning. We meet all the characters, and we meet this woman. And all she's identified as is a woman who is a sinner mm-hmm. or has lived a sinful life, depending on your translation. And that is euphemism mm-hmm. for a prostitute. So this woman is a prostitute um, in this town. Mm-hmm. And um, she learns that Jesus is at this Pharisee's house and that um, she goes to bring him a gift, right? This um, jar of perfume. Mm-hmm. So I have to say the fact that she has this alabaster jar of perfume is probably an indicator that she's a fairly successful businesswoman, mm-hmm. um, even though we are grieved at her profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I do always want to say that um, prostitution in the ancient world was mostly a condition of economics. If a woman did not have a male to be attached to, if she didn't have a father, a brother, a husband, could have lost any of those through a death or divorce or um, her only um, opportunity to live is prostitution. It's like the only field. If you don't have a male to attach yourself to, this is uh, where you go. And women sometimes, because of debts, uh, they could even be sold uh, into this by family members. Um, so we are seeing a woman who at one time entered into this profession, probably out of poverty, and now uh, has actually made a decent amount of money in this, at least enough to have this alabaster mm. jar. But it's a jar of perfume that she is going to give away, her fortune that she is giving to Jesus. And why is she at this party? And how did she get in, by the way? Is, yeah. is yeah, the door unlocked? Or yeah, what's going exactly. on here? I think I should be asking you the good questions. <laughs> <laughs> you, right? Why is she at this party? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Isn't that right? a good question? That's yeah. a really Thank good you. question, I think I just Bill. thought of Thank it. You. I just thought of it. Um, so just so you're aware, um, in the, these parties, especially a Pharisee who would be a prominent leader in the community, um, you would be eating probably in an open courtyard. There mm. would be a gate or a door that would allow you, and, and, and you would want the door open because this is a pretty classy shindig. They're all laying down, <laughs> which is a picture of a formal banquet. So um, uh, probably the best and the brightest in town have been invited. Jesus is the special guest. There's probably more than just this woman kind of standing at the edges. Um, uh, this this banqueting table, there's a lot going on just there that it's not only a Jewish place of fellowship where it's like like-minded or like sort of like honored mm-hmm. people are kind of gathering. Um, but it's also a place where it was almost modeled on the Greco-Roman symposium, mm-hmm. which was essentially it begins as a meal and then ends as a discussion. Okay. So we get to we're talk. We're here to talk, not yeah, just Yeah, we're here eat. to talk. We might debate theologically. It's a friendly, warm debate because we're all these peers who belong together. And um, But... 
I, especially Luke often has Jesus teaching at his mm-hmm. meals. So he has this kind of blend of Jewish fellowship where we have all people who we identify with, who we're like. So the, so there's going to be a lot of Pharisees at this, a lot of very honorable people at this. And then, um, and then it's also this chance to interact with this new preacher teacher in town <laughs> who's creating quite a stir. He is creating a stir. Uh, we think the city they're in is Nain. And so we know the way that he entered into Nain was by resurrecting Resurrect, a young man yes. from a, the dead. Mm-hmm. So this is a big, like he's created a stir. So he's kind of the guest of honor and people are going to be curious. So you are going to have people at the table, but you're also going to have people around the table kind of listening and watching. And that's verse 49. The other guests began mm. to say, among themselves. Who is this who even forgives sins? So there's people listening to this exchange between Right. It's Jesus a very public and, event, yes. even though it has that feeling of like we're at Intimacy. this guy's house, but it's a, it is definitely a public event. And I just looked online at a pretty nice high-end department store that an alabaster jar is 80 bucks just for the jar. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, not to mention the perfume inside. Not to mention the perfume. Yes. Some people would say that this alabaster jar of perfume probably represents her retirement. Okay. Like this is taking your entire 401k and giving it to Jesus Mm. is what she's doing here. But you show up with that at the party and that's going to get some attention, isn't it? Um, Especially when she breaks it open. I mean, it could be sort of hidden in her cloak or whatever. But as soon as she opens that, that perfume is going to fill the house. Yeah, it's going to be very obvious. Uh, I was going to ask what you think about why Jesus was invited here in the first place. Yeah, uh, just a second here, Rick. Jana, why do you think Jesus was invited here in the first place? (laughs) Gosh, you're just nailing these questions, Yeah, thank you. you. I did a lot of prep, a lot of show prep. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um, So, uh, you know, in the beginning, what we would assume is because this Pharisee is actually offering friendship to Jesus. He's kind of a rock star in town, and he's sort of offering, like, come to my table. He's also trying to create a little bit of indebtedness. If you get invited to a dinner party, you're supposed to invite them to a dinner party you throw or give them a gift or whatever. So he's trying. Reciprocity. Yes, there's lots of reciprocity going on in this culture. And so there's this thing, inviting Jesus in, he's kind of connecting Jesus in. So we're like, oh, that's unusual. Because earlier we're told that the Pharisees weren't baptized by John actually in this chapter. And so they're they're rejecting Jesus. So it's like, oh, this is kind mm-hmm. of interesting. So it's not all the Pharisees or whatever. This Pharisee is entering in and he's inviting Jesus that could be a good thing. But immediately when uh, this woman begins her embarrassing moment with Jesus, the Pharisee immediately assumes bad things about Jesus. So that tells you that there's more ambiguity Mm -hmm. there. And by the end of the story, we actually become aware that the Pharisee has specifically tried to shame Jesus. He has neglected his duty for one thing. And it's not a duty that you easily forget. Right. He has supposedly forgotten, quote unquote, to wash his, to wash feet, his feet, to give him the ceremonial kiss, and the oil, the oil, the anointing. Yeah. And this would have been stuff that uh, was happening to other guests. Right. So this is a, it's, it's sort of the shocking reveal at the end that we're like, 
oh, this dinner is about something for Simon, completely different than it first From a appeared. very scrupulous Pharisee <laughs> yes. who conveniently forgets these things. All the washings. He would have had yeah. all the washings. All the washings. Everything yes, would have been, everything would have been yeah. laid out. And yet the woman who is the one, ironically, who ends up providing these things that Simon conveniently forgot. forgot. Yeah. So even some people have said that those tears that she's weeping in the beginning— um, probably tears of affection and gratitude. It's clear that she loves Jesus, that something has happened before this meal that has created this intense affection and passion for him that she has. But um, she's also seeing him being dishonored. Mm-hmm. And that to someone whom you love and care for mm. and to see them kind of publicly shamed, mm. they think part of her tears are that too. Well, I understand those tears. I would think that would be the most natural reaction. If you're in the presence of Jesus, I would be so overwhelmed, I would start sobbing right away. I think anyway. Especially if you saw him being mistreated by the supposed honorable host. Yes. Right. He's the honored guest, supposedly. Right. Simon the Honorable, we ask, question mark. Question mark. Host seems to neglect his manners here. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue the red words of Jesus. We're with John Afonso and Rick Madsen. We're in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. Be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. Welcome to the show. We're talking to Rick Matson, John Afonso. You'll learn more about them in just a minute. But for now, we're in the red words of Jesus in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And the title of that passage is Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. So maybe we can talk about the appearance and the motives of this woman. Yes. So she shows up in her <laughs> uniform here. Her work uniform. Uh, well, tell us about that. Right, yeah. right. So, uh, or maybe she walked in looking like a pretty typical, but she does something that's really shocking, and we see that in that it says that she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, mm. and in this culture, a woman does not show mm. her mm. hair mm. unless she's a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Like oh. that's the mm. only reason you would do that. So her hair. Like, I'm assuming, you know, unless it would have just, you know, she probably actually uncovered her Mm -hmm. hair in the room at Jesus' feet. And then let it down, right? Yes, and begins to. So this is actually, um, it it would, there are gasps. Like, it would have been gasps in the room to have her do this. Um, And I think that, uh, so what's really, uh, (laughs) 
this cleansing, this sort of very intimate foot cleansing thing would actually have been part of her trade. I was going to ask. <laughs> so um, before anything else happened, this is probably what a prostitute would do for a male client. And, um, and so as you're watching this, what Simon and probably many other guests, and if we were a part of this culture, probably we would even think, is that she's soliciting Jesus as a new client. Yes. And she's doing it in this blatant, raw, shocking way in front of everybody. Is that what the other men in the room are thinking? Would you guess? That's or? probably, I mean, Simon is just like, why is he letting her do this? Does She's a prostitute. I mean, it's it's so obvious and shocking. Mm. So that's the, I want you to hold that narrative, that there's a narrative that's happening here that Simon has assumed. And I just want you to know in this story, Jesus offers an alternative narrative about what's actually going on here. Okay, so there's the narrative in the eyes of the crowd and of Simon, which is this uninvited guest comes and starts to display her... Asserts yes, herself asserts into herself, the banquet. Right, and, oh. right, in a provocative way. Yep. And and then Simon and maybe others also have the religious purity motive here too. I mean, it's not just a prostitute yeah. soliciting a client. It's an unclean... Person. Yeah, touching. category. Touching uh, one of us, heaven forbid. So maybe on at least two levels here, Simon is taken aback. Yes. And so there's that narrative about who she is, but then Jesus turns the story yes. to go in a different direction. He flips it uh-huh. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he totally does. So, so Jonna, do you think yeah. Jesus flipped the story and went a different direction? <laughs> I do. Okay, Phil. good. Maybe you would talk I, about yeah, that. Yeah. I think I think in fact, um this moment for Jesus is all actually about Simon. Because somehow before this, Jesus had an encounter with this woman that has changed her life. This isn't the first time they've right, gotten together. Right. Okay. He, he, something has happened before this, that she is transformed. In fact, when he says, your sins are forgiven, that particular um, forgiven is something that has happened in the past and is continuing on into the present. In fact, the NIV makes it clear in verse 47, her many sins have been forgiven. forgiven. Yes. Yeah. So they're really trying to to emphasize that something has already happened that no, that Simon doesn't know and neither does the rest of his guests. And in some ways, Jesus wants the community to know she is a forgiven woman. She is no longer what you imagine right. she is. But it, but as he turns to Simon, he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now this is you. about your heart, <laughs> yeah. Simon. As I think any time we leap to judgment over and over, I think this moment we should be like, okay, what's happening in my heart? What is, and what might Jesus say, <laughs> say to me to right here. now? Yeah, what, yeah. Um, Jonna, I have something to, to tell, tell you, you yes. right in this moment of judgment. Bill, yeah. we have something to tell you, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, tell me during the break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. So, yeah, so then Jesus goes into this marvelous uh, parable that Rick read um, that 
is really we suddenly realize everything seems to be about forgiveness. That's what this is all about. Yes. And the contrast of the 500 denarii and the 50, you know, I mean, that's like 20 months wages is 50, two months, or 50 is two months wages, you know, 500 is 20 months wages. So what what Jesus is not doing is saying this woman isn't, and what she has done isn't so bad. That's not no. what he's saying here. No. He's saying, okay, it's 500 denarii. Like, it's a debt she can't pay. Mm. That's what's going on mm-hmm. here. But guess what? The guy only owes 50. He can't pay either. Right. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I love that. I love that the thing about Jesus is he never, in order to deal with sin, he never acts like sin is nothing. He he, sin is what it is. There's never a wink at sin, right? Oh, like it's mm. not yeah, it's so not, bad. Oh, it's not that oh, bad. Poor her. Yeah, she poor was her. poor. Yeah, she was poor. She might have even been enslaved. There's no dismissal that sin has happened here, <laughs> but it's not about the sin. No. It is about this forgiveness and this transformed heart that now actually is transforming her actions, even though she probably has done something similar to this Mm -hmm. for a client. That's not what's going on here, right? That's not what's happening here. This is a woman who has been forgiven so much that she can't help but pour out everything she has at his feet, (laughs) quite literally. I, in the past, have taken this passage to be her conversion story, but I think what we're saying is that she was converted Brand new baby believer before this and but she's still kind of in the infancy of her faith and so she shows up in what she has she shows up in costume you might say and that can get taken care of later i think it's interesting that jesus doesn't address the that she shouldn't have showed her right, hair yeah don't whatever. show your hair there's right. none of that in here right. but later on probably those things will get taken care of uh, the outer refinement will come later. What's really important here is the inner refinement, the inner transformation. And she shows up as that person, maybe a little bit naive, and pours her whole heart into this narrative. It's an right incredible so, risk. And I is. know if you think about the risk, A, she could have been dragged out. Uh, Simon could have confronted her, had guards haul her away. Jesus could have kicked her away. Yeah. Like the risk she's taking yeah. here is so profound that somehow Jesus will understand. Jesus, four and, days ago, you stood by me, and we had quite a moment. Now when I show up four days later at this uh, the house of power, will you still stand behind me where they could throw me out? Or hurt me. And or hurt me. Yeah, or I yeah. might, yeah. yeah. And so there's an amazing sort of boldness yeah. and yet humility. She's at his feet. She's at she's his feet. She's weeping. Right. She's cleaning things. I mean, there's this bold humility mm. that's just so winsome. <laughs> that is. This woman. That is. Yeah, and Jesus is reclined at the table. Uh-huh. Um, so he was eating. He could have been, you know, his third bite into his lamb chop with mint jelly going. Exactly. And all of a sudden she shows up <laughs> and is crying, yeah. right? Yeah. That'd be a little disruptive. And she's a prostitute, and she's letting her hair down. Yeah. And, and, and. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't stay at the edge. I mean, she inserts herself into the banquet. Everyone else would have been, like, lingering at the walls or Mm -hmm. standing outside the gate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She inserts herself. Like, it is bold and and hugely, at the same time, humble what she does. And we get no indication that Jesus was surprised here either. She shows up, and he seems to take it in stride. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, more with... 
Rick Matson and John Afonso as we are talking about the words of Jesus. If you have a red letter edition Bible, they would be the red words. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. We'll be right back. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. We are talking about the words of Jesus, which I love talking about. My guests are Rick Matson and Jonna Fonts. Rick's been with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship since 1981. That's quite a career, Rick. That is. I'm not getting any younger. Ah, that's okay. I'm not aging in reverse. Yeah, and you, uh, you oftentimes go on campuses and hold uh, events. You called Stump the Chump. Does that sound about right? I was just at Ohio State last week. The Buckeyes. Uh, Yeah. Nice. And the College of Worcester in Ohio, and uh, students had a ton of questions. Good questions. Yeah, and that's always invigorating, isn't it? It is. Yeah, they loved it. And Johnny, you've had a career in ministry for decades. Yeah. 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 20-some years now. Yeah. It's awesome. It's mm-hmm. awesome. All right. Should we pivot to Simon in our story of Luke chapter mm-hmm. 7? Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we take a look at what's happening because, as I said, even when the story started and we hear that Simon has invited Jesus, we're like, hmm, because, like I said, the Pharisees just earlier in this chapter are portrayed as a little more oppositional. So we're like, oh, but Luke sometimes has Pharisees that come and go, and some are supportive and some aren't. So there's some ambiguity. We're wondering. Um, then we see, then we see. Uh, so he's invited him to this dinner. Things seem to be going well, as far as we know. Luke hasn't revealed anything. And then um, Simon immediately thinks Jesus can't be a prophet. Or no. he would not be allowing this to happen. Mm. So that tells you that the question in the Pharisee group is, is Jesus a prophet? Is he a man hearing the word of God mm. and delivering it to the people? Mm-hmm. So he's had this question and maybe part of this dinner was to help him kind of explore that a little or figure that out a little. We might think at this time, um, but his immediate assumption is that Jesus isn't. I mean, there's a negative here. He's not like, oh, well, maybe Jesus doesn't know this one. He's not like looking at it positively, which by the way, in the ancient world, when you were a host and you had a special, especially, especially invited guest, you're racing to make sure that they're honored, cared for, their needs are met. Should anyone at the table insult that person, you race to defend <laughs> them. You're there to make sure that your guest has a wonderful time and experiences the honor that you're trying to offer them. So just right away, Simon's response would make us, as we understand table fellowship in the ancient world, we'd be like, wait, what's yeah. what's going on here? Right. And then Jesus reveals something even worse, right? <laughs> that these sort of basics of hospitality, as yes. you said, Rick, yes. have been um, neglected. Neglected. Or that would be putting it nicely. Withheld. Withheld. <laughs> right. Yes. Because probably all the other guests got their feet washed, mm. were welcomed, and were, at, you know, so there's a, this is 
This, it, it's quite shocking. This would, again, so we're gasp as the woman takes her head covering off. But we're gasping again that any host would treat an honored guest in this way. And perhaps the woman was gasping at that. Yeah. Yeah. She had her own gasp that Jesus I, was being his dis, feet dishonored are dirty. here. It's clear yes. he's not everyone else's feet is nice sure. and clean. Yes. His are you know, yeah. There's a um Simon in in some ways this could be read, like you said, at, at its best. At its best. He's a terrible host. Yes. And it's has forgotten hu- humiliating terrible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And has harmed one of his guests. Yes. At the best. At the worst, he invited Jesus in order to shame him. Mm. Ooh. This is a place to actually bring him in and bring Jesus down a Ooh. notch or two here. The plot thickens. It yeah. does. Yeah. It's a really, really dark moment. You know, so when Jesus says, who loves little? Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, or hates a little. Like, it, it, at the darkest this Simon is actually trying to ruin Jesus' reputation or bring him down in the eyes mm. of the I public. love the response in verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Okay, whenever <laughs> Jesus says that, the room should stop. Jana, I have something to tell you, says Jesus. Bill, stop. Rick, I have something to tell you. Okay, teacher, what is it? Let's see, what yeah, does Simon say? Is yeah, and actually even tell Simon, me, teacher. Yeah, Simon yeah. calling him teacher, that's yes. rabbi. Mm-hmm. It's yes. another honor title. It is. So he's recognizing, how, like it's this. That like, is ironic. Yes, that he calls him rabbi, who would be an honored teacher. He uses that name, but he has dissed him mm-hmm. in, in his welcome. Yes. So, and yeah, then that, you get that the is an parables. attention grabber. Simon, I have something, I have to, something tell to tell you. <laughs> Ooh, the world stops right yeah, there I would think for it a would. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Simon stops. I mean, Simon, we Simon never speaks again. In fact, mm. there's silence. You know, and this echoes other parables that Jesus tells sometimes, where it's things are left open. We don't know. Luke has intentionally left this story open. Mm-hmm. We don't know how Simon responded mm. to all this. But what Jesus does is point out what a horrific host he has been and how suddenly this woman who is thought to be a sinner and unclean and bringing, you know, uncleanness to my table and doing these horrific acts in front of us all that no woman should do in public. Now suddenly she's a paragon of extravagant hospitality. hospitality. She becomes the host here. Yes. That's what's so ironic. Yes. It's a complete, like the story isn't anything like what we thought. No. The, you know, we thought, uh-oh, things are going badly here. And yeah. what's she doing? And yeah. what, what's Jesus doing? And oh my gosh, Simon must be so angry or whatever. And suddenly we realize this woman is simply doing for Jesus what Simon refused Mm -hmm. to do for Jesus, but she does it extravagantly. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't just wash his feet with water. She washes Mm -hmm. his his feet Feet with her tears. She doesn't just grab some towel. She uses her hair. She doesn't just anoint him with little old olive oil in Mm -hmm. the house. She uses this expensive perfume. It's an extravagant hospitality that she offers. And then Jesus validates her right 
there. He affirms what she's doing in front of Simon and explains to Simon, did you notice these three (laughs) things that she just did that you failed to do? And she becomes the hero of the story here. She's the one who rescues the moment for the honored guest. She's the one who really honors him, Jesus, whereas Simon failed to honor the honored guest. Right. And right. so you, so the the image I thought about here was her elevator in this story goes up, and Simon's, <laughs> which was supposedly up, goes down, and the elevators almost seem to pass each other, hers going up and his going down. That's perfect. That is exactly what's going on here. And, and he never saw that coming. No. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. The tables are utterly, utterly turned, turned on him. And and her, suddenly we have this narrative that what's going on here is this, you know, prostitute is lustfully soliciting, you know, another client. And what we actually find out is that there's this sinner who's been forgiven so mm. much and has loved so much and is now trying to... Fill in exactly. where honor has not been given. Even if some of the outer refinements haven't been That's put right. in place yet. Yeah. We're, you know, the church is going to teach her, don't uncover your hair in public or whatever. I mean, whatever those things that need to be, you know, don't swear anymore. Let's leave off that language or don't tell that kind of off color. Whatever those trappings are. Mm-hmm. But here Jesus is saying she has become this model for us all of Great love, which is the whole purpose, Simon, which is Jesus' problem with all the Pharisees, right? They get the law. They get purity. They love God's word. They want to protect it. And they just don't love. Hmm. They're missing the heart, right? They've got that exterior whitewash, and inside it's just dead. Which is precisely the opposite of the woman. She (laughs) has the interior, but not the exterior. Simon seems to have the exterior, but not the interior. Right, right. And Simon's guests here don't look that great either, right? We finished, they're they're kind of this last little group that, who is this who even forgives sins? Um, This is probably not an acclamation of joy. Mm-hmm. This is more like, what the Another heck gasp. is going on here? Right, right. Um, one of the moments of irony that I love here is that Simon says, this guy must not be a prophet. And then Jesus immediately proves that he is a prophet because <laughs> that's all an interior monologue in Simon. And Jesus just addresses the interior monologue. Right. So he demonstrates in the story, I am a prophet and I do know what's going on. Yes. You know, so. Yeah, he's talking to himself and Jesus sees <laughs> through him. Yeah. And then, oh. Uh, so all over the place here, Simon is just unaware. He doesn't know the truth. He doesn't know the truth about the woman. Right. He doesn't know the truth about Jesus. And he doesn't know the truth about his own heart. And all of that is suddenly on display. Mm-hmm. Then the conclusion of the story here, uh, verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. Mm. So her elevator just, just went up. <sighs> but he who has been forgiven little <laughs> loves little. Uh, that elevator seems to have sunk a bit here. And then he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And then the guests protest. And then verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. Simon's head must be spinning right now. (laughs) My head is spinning. (laughs) This is a great in-depth dive into this passage. It is. You you have mined a lot in this. It's a. I think that. I, what I what I do want to want to say here, though, is that Jesus is being invitational mm-hmm. to Simon. The invitation is not to the woman; mm-hmm. she's already received, mm-hmm. right? But the invitation is to Simon. You've loved little mm-hmm. Simon. Can you love more? Mm-hmm. Can you recognize the forgiveness you need? I mean, that's the 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 echoing question. Will Simon get it? Will Simon see the truth? Will Simon understand? Will his heart suddenly swell to sit at Jesus' table, to, to offer, to be repentant? That's what it takes if you're going to sit down to, to dinner with Jesus. You got to have that repentant heart. And then nothing else really matters. That repentant heart, we can work. Will Simon do that? And I think this is all longing for Simon. I mean, I just hear this over and over with the Pharisees. Jesus is longing for them to see what he sees, to understand what he understands, to not give up their exterior holiness, but to get the inside right too. So I'm wondering what you think Jesus' view of the Pharisees in general is. Mm. That's too big of a question for, 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 this, today, little for this little story. But here, uh, Jesus does accept the invitation to yes. come and hang out with a Pharisee mm-hmm. for an afternoon or an mm-hmm. evening, whatever it is. It's not like he avoids the Pharisees. I, mm-hmm. I often hear this teaching around the church that Jesus only hung out with tax collectors and sinners and so forth. Yeah. He also hung out a lot with a religious establishment. Mm-hmm. That, in this case, being the Pharisees. And then, of course, we see the priests and the scribes and the uh, Sadducees and the Essenes and so forth. But the Pharisees, he doesn't neglect them. And it's it's as if he expects a lot of them because of the background and training and privilege they have. And yet he seems often disappointed in them that they don't live up to what's just sitting right there in front of them. And that is the law and how the law should be pointing them, A, to righteousness and B, to him. <laughs> the law that they adhere to so faithfully that they try so hard to obey should in some sense point to him, but they miss that Mm -hmm. as well. But don't you think Jesus uh, shows some respect to the Pharisees and shows respect to Simon just by showing up to his house here? Yeah, in particular, I think in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke tends to even lay the crucifixion more at the feet of the priests and so, and the scribes are priests that are off duty. Mm. So just so you know, they're just not serving right now. So, um, so he he does kind of Luke does this little. It's not that the Pharisees as a whole get it, but there's this different interaction for Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think that this story is just a great example of how Jesus is longing, like. You who know the law yeah. and adhere to the we law. We should be on the same you, team yes. here. Yes. <laughs> Join me. Like, yeah. let's fill that law with love. Let's fill in what you're missing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he longs for those Pharisees to come to him. Yeah. This is Luther and the Pope. We should be on the same team. Yes. <laughs> you're yes. better than this. And, right. And I sense that in Jesus here. here that <clears throat> this is within your grasp and you're almost there, but the piece that you're missing really is the most critical piece, which is love of 
God, not just love of the tradition, nor love of the oral tradition, which you're creating all the time, but love of God. And then that should point to me. All right. I'm in studio with my above average guests, Rick (laughs) Matson and John Afonso. Which way are our elevators going? <laughs> they're, they're going up. Right okay. Now. okay. Just so you know. Okay. We're in our series of the words of Jesus, the red, the red words in your Bible, if you have a red letter edition. We're talking about Jesus anointed by a sinful woman out of Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, if you have your Bibles with you. We'll be back after a very short break. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Rick Mance and John Fonts are my guests. We're talking about the words of Jesus out of Luke chapter 7. So what I really love to do, Rick and Jonna, is try to do some practical application. Now, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, if you've missed any of this hour, you're going to want to hear it from the start. So make sure you go to MyFaithRadio.com and then go to the Afternoon with Bill show page. It'll be up after the show. You can hear all of it. All right, let's do the practical application. Yeah. So I think one of the practical pieces, and Rick, I would love to have you kind of speak to this a little bit, is I think... One of the things that Jesus wants from Simon is that he would see sinners like Jesus sees them. Mm. That Simon, uh, I think, Bill, you even said at the break that just categorically this woman is a sinner and therefore it's dismissed. It's dismissed. It's distance. And Jesus wants him to see himself differently as a sinner. Obviously, he wants Simon to see himself as a sinner. But he wants him to begin to see sinners differently. And Rick, I just was, I mean, not that, you know, you're interacting with sinners all the time, um, but, you're, but you're out there on secular <laughs> college campuses and that culture can be pretty indulgent, you know, in sin. And just tell me, how does a story like this shape what you do, what you see, how you think about? I think it's easy to dismiss college campuses as just this uh, extreme progressivism that we don't want to listen to, we don't want to interact with. We just judge it, write it off. I'm not saying that the conclusions of extreme progressivism on campus are always good. I'm not here to defend that, but these are real people. When I go to the liberal progressive secular university, as I do all over the country, as I mentioned, I was just at Worcester and Ohio State, then I was at University of Montana, and I'm going to University of Michigan, all these places. These are real people with the same needs for identity and fulfillment and love that we have. I don't want to end up just being a judgmental Simon. I've got my safe little corner here, my evangelical church. We look down our noses at everybody else, and we don't take the time to get to know people and understand them. So I think there's a big difference between agreeing with people and, and and loving them. I mean, you can love them and still not agree with them, but let's not forget the love part. And that is the call here to Simon. Yes. The, the call is to love. And one would assume love God 
and love people. That seems to be the call to Simon. It's at least implied. And I guess I want to do that. And so, so churches send me out to the campus and, you know, and then I bring news back from the, this foreign mission field that's right in our midst. Okay. But I think the church needs more engagement with college campuses, and we need to get to know people on a more personal basis and not just assume that they are the prostitute in the room soliciting the, the righteous. There's more to, to the story here than, than that. And uh, this... This woman is a real person. Jesus saw that. She is redeemed. She's transformed. College students, graduate students that I work with these days, professors that I work a lot with these days are real people. They may not know Christ, but they have these needs. And I think Jesus is keenly interested in them and doesn't want us to fall into sort of uh, older brother of the prodigal son or Simon here and just uh, look down our noses at these good folks. Yeah, you were sharing, too, that the Jesus that we see here is the Jesus that you want students This Jesus is revolutionary right here. This Jesus is exciting. I get discouraged at times when I see or hear the church reducing Jesus kind of to this two-dimensional character, and we've got him all safe and caged up right where we want him. And this Jesus, in this text, bursts out of the cage. This is an interesting Jesus. This is a revolutionary Jesus. This Jesus shares many of the concerns of people in the secular university, even though they don't know that. So if we could introduce college students and faculty and graduate students to this multifaceted, multilayered, complex, ironic Jesus who turns the world upside down, who uses irony and hyperbole, who interacts with the religious establishment on day one and with sinners and tax collectors on day two— he sort of doesn't care who he interacts with. He will interact with anyone. That's an interesting character. And I fear that the Jesus that we often represent in social media and so forth is a flat, two-dimensional, judgmental Jesus that misses the nuance of the New Testament. Let's read our Bibles. Let's mine it for the, this historical Jesus who comes alive in these texts. And let's carry that Jesus into our youth ministries and to the college campuses, that would make a big difference in the number of people, young people that we see these days, quote unquote, deconstructing their faith and walking away from something that really is this kind of flat Jesus. I want them to discover this Jesus mm-hmm. right here. And then I think we would see a lot more engagement from our young people. Mm. Profound and articulate, Rick Matson. Mm-hmm. John Afonso, what's your clo- closing statement? So I, I, one of the things that I think is the application here um, is that Jesus tells the woman to go in peace, and that word peace is shalom, this really, well, in the Greek, irene, but same as shalom. So this really healing word, this is the exact thing that he says to lepers and blind people and deaf people. And, and I just wonder if we could begin to see sin like sickness— I mean, do we judge someone when they have a cold or if they're in a wheelchair, do we think they're less than? Um, If we could begin to see sin as sickness that Jesus wants to bring shalom to, that the person in front of me is a wounded person, that God is longing to heal, I'm really interested. I don't have to be 
um, I don't have to be so offended by the sin. I don't have to be so shut down this woman taking her veil off in front of all these men that, you know, I, don't be shocked. Don't stop there. Don't don't let that stop you. See the person. I think maybe we're saying the same yeah, thing, but yeah. there's this healing word that Jesus delivers. And I think that's a healing word he wants his church to Nor deliver. Nor does Jesus dismiss the sin, as you said earlier. Right. It's a both and. He doesn't dismiss it, but he does see. He, he wants yeah. to heal it. He really wants to. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. That's been a great great hour. Well, thank you, Bill. Great to be with you. Yeah. And I go, I go back to the way in which God, Rick, you said God doesn't wink at sin. We live in a world today that we're, we're mocking everything sacred mm. and holy. Yes. yes. There's no more winking. There's just mm. flat out in your face stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And when, when I think of a caricature artist at a county fair, which will take one of your features and blow it out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. only thing you ever see is like, you know, this, Big eye or Big giant eyes, nose, huge ears. Nose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, we look at people that way. Mm. You go, yeah. sinner, lifelong sinner. There she right. is. And, you know, Rick, you say, no, we need to look at them as an image bearer of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. And start there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. I've been saying that yes. in my head every time I encounter somebody. The first thing I say mm. in my head is image bearer, mm. image bearer, image bearer. Wonderful. And it calms me down instantly. Uh-huh. Super theology. Yeah. Great nice. theology, Bill. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Good. All right. Thank you for your time. And that wraps up our show for the day. And again, I'll say if you missed any of this, the whole day has been a great show. I want to thank Dr. Greg Borgon, who is here, and then uh, Dr. Rob Reno and his talk on visionary marriage, and then the Red Word series of Jesus with Rick Madsen and John Afonso. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the podcast, or maybe send it to a friend who would enjoy hearing it as well. I will see you tomorrow. We've got Dr. Glenn Pickering on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk about relationship tips. But we're going to start with Guy Talk. And the power panel will assemble. Get your questions ready and have a great night. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.